0: 2020 has been the year of the pandemic. But let's not forget, it's still an election year.
1: You are starting to see, after months of American life revolving around the coronavirus pandemic, people waking up to this reminder that there is a presidential election just months away. Sabrina Siddiqui covers Joe Biden's presidential campaign.
0: For the past several months, the Biden campaign has kept a relatively low profile until now. On Tuesday, the campaign announced that Senator Kamala Harris would be Biden's running mate. And next week, the Democratic
1: convention will formally kick off the Biden-Harris ticket. Even though Joe Biden has been the presumptive Democratic nominee, this is really the beginning of the election in earnest. Between this week's Harris
0: pick and next week's convention, Biden's pitch to voters this fall is coming into focus
1: they are running on a message of restoring a sense of stability to the government. I think what Joe Biden has really framed his message around is the country wants to get back to normal, and more so now than ever.
0: Welcome to The Journal, our show about money, business, and power. I'm Kate Leinbaugh. It's Friday, August 14th. Coming up on the show, in a year that has been extraordinary, how the Biden-Harris ticket is staking its campaign on a pitch for normalcy.
1: This episode is brought to you by Global X ETFs. Looking to invest? Start your journey by exploring exchange-traded funds with Global X ETFs.
0: that he can return stability to the U.S. government is not a new idea for his campaign. But the
1: pandemic has given that message fresh relevance. At the start of the Democratic primary, the Biden campaign really did not place their bets on generating excitement. When you had Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren, the more progressive candidates, really leaning into this message of sweeping structural change, Biden's pitch just seems so lukewarm. But here we are now, he's the nominee, and especially in the middle of a pandemic, his message is precisely where the pulse of the electorate is. There is polling showing more and more frustration with President Trump's handling of the pandemic. Perhaps there is more of a window for Joe Biden's really anti-Trump theme of his campaign to break through.
0: And so... Biden has doubled down on his pitch that he's a leader who can bring a more responsible approach to the White House. And for Biden, that starts with taking the pandemic seriously.
1: Joe Biden has spent most of the last five months since the pandemic really took hold at his home in Delaware. But he has done events virtually. A lot of them have been roundtables focused on the pandemic.
0: What keeps you awake at night? You know, I mean, uh, I'd be interested to hear what you put at the top of the list.
1: Of course, he has continued to host fundraisers, also virtually. Hey, good evening, Tampa. Thanks so much for tuning in. I wish we could have done this together. and And then in the last two months, he has started to go out more. Biden
0: went to Houston to pay respects to George Floyd's family. And recently, he started giving policy speeches near his home. But I have to start by speaking about what millions of Americans know when they wake up every morning with worry, anxiety, and fear. We're still a country in crisis. At these events, Biden has made sure to show that he sticks to social distancing guidelines. Just him, walking to the podium wearing a mask, and no crowds. It's
1: also a way of... For Biden to really contrast to the president, who did host a large-scale rally in Tulsa, Oklahoma, and then, of course, over the 4th of July weekend, had a large event at Mount Rushmore, kind of ignoring uh, the concerns from public health officials at the time. The larger message from Joe Biden's vantage point is really to defer to public health experts. That contrast extends beyond
0: campaign events. Biden has also criticized Trump for his response to coronavirus.
1: And Biden says he would take a different approach. He has said that he will follow the science. And so a lot of that political debate that the president really leaned into over whether or not to wear a mask, Joe Biden has said that he would do as much as he can to mandate masks at the federal level. He's also criticized the delay in delivering medical supplies, such as PPE and other protective equipment, the lag in testing. And as the president has also weighed into this debate over whether or not schools should open. That's another place where Joe Biden was quick to respond with a plan of his own that was effectively let the health experts make that decision. This strategy
0: of taking the pandemic seriously has had some trade-offs for Biden. Spending most of his time at home in Delaware
1: hasn't exactly kept him in the headlines. I think in recent months, it's been a real challenge for the Biden campaign to break through because— Most people aren't thinking about the election. They're thinking about the fact that their kids can't go back to school, that they can't go to work, that they don't feel safe going out in public. A lot of them are losing their jobs. They're filing for unemployment. The pandemic is just so all-encompassing. But this week, the
0: Biden campaign is beginning to break through. Starting, of course, with Biden's selection of Kamala Harris as his running mate. It's a historic pick. Harris is the first Black woman to be a vice presidential nominee for a major party. And she's the first woman of Indian descent to be nominated for that position, too. And so how does the choice of Harris fit into the campaign's
1: strategy and themes? So I think what's really interesting about this pick is it doesn't do anything to rock the boat. It's a pretty safe pick. On the one hand, you have this historic element in terms of what she brings as a biracial woman, but she is a fairly moderate figure in the Democratic Party. —
0: Harris's record shows that she's straddled the line between progressive and moderate views. She's from California and has embraced some progressive causes, like the Green New Deal. But Sabrina says this election season, Harris's history as a prosecutor has led her to be mostly viewed as a moderate. And that law enforcement background has also opened her up to criticism from the more progressive
1: wing of the party. She tried to position herself as a progressive when she was running for president last year, but she, of course, notoriously has a mixed record on issues of criminal justice. As a former prosecutor, she was criticized for not doing enough to eradicate racial inequities in the criminal justice system.
0: Recently, Harris has attempted to find more common ground with activists. She marched in D.C. with demonstrators after the killing of George Floyd. But she stopped short of a full embrace of the proposals coming from Black Lives Matter.
1: She notably has not embraced calls by some on the left to defund the police. She's simply talked about, more broadly, reallocating some funding to invest in healthcare and public education in vulnerable communities. Pretty much in line with Joe Biden's position on one of the more pressing issues facing the country at this time. I think, in terms of the electorate, she's not someone who will bring in the kind of voters that Elizabeth Warren would have brought in younger, progressive voters who are still skeptical of Joe Biden's campaign. But there are not enough people, according to the Biden campaign who are going to sit out this election because they don't believe the ticket is progressive enough. They fundamentally believe that the calculus has changed because of the Trump presidency.
0: And while Harris may not excite the progressives, the Biden campaign is betting that she will help attract moderates and swing voters.
1: I think the campaign has made a calculus, and they've been very open about this in their conversations with reporters, that this election will be won in the suburbs. They have often pointed to the 2018 midterm elections and that it was the suburbs that helped Democrats retake control of the House of Representatives. In the Democratic primary, suburban voters overwhelmingly voted for Joe Biden. And what Joe Biden's campaign, I think, is really trying to do is make sure they don't lose those voters.
0: Harris not only fits with the Biden campaign's electoral strategy, she also brings the level of experience
1: they were looking for. According to the search team, what really helped Kamala Harris is that she's someone who has held statewide office first as California's attorney general and then as a sitting senator. She also sits on committees such as the Senate Intelligence Committee and the Senate Judiciary Committee, where she has really developed a reputation. Senator Harris. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Uh, Attorney General Barr, has the president or anyone at the White House ever asked or suggested that you open an investigation of anyone? Um, I I wouldn't—I wouldn't— Yes or no? Could you you repeat that question? I will repeat it. She's really developed a reputation for aggressively grilling Trump cabinet nominees and administration officials as they've come before the committee for various hearings. Yes or no, please, sir. Um, the president or anybody else? Seems you would remember something like that and be able to tell us. She's also someone who Biden had a personal connection to. She was friends with his late son, Bo Biden, when they were both attorneys general, he for Delaware and she for California. And Biden is someone who really values personal relationships. He was Himself, incredibly close to President Obama when he was his number two. He talks about that a lot. Uh, he's always said he wants uh, someone uh, who, in essence, would be simpatico to him. After the break,
0: Biden and Harris take the stage, and the first reactions come in. — Welcome, Vice President Joe Biden and Senator Kamala Harris. On Wednesday, at a mostly empty high school gym in Delaware, Biden and Harris appeared together as running mates for the first time. Thanks for being here. I wish we were able to talk to the folks outside, but we're keeping our social distancing and playing by the rules. In announcing the pick, Biden made the case that Harris was the right fit for his campaign's pitch for stability. Kamala knows how to govern. She knows how to make the hard calls. She's ready to do this job on day one. And we're both ready to get to work rebuilding this nation and building it better. And Harris echoed that message.
1: But let's be clear. This election isn't just about defeating Donald Trump or Mike Pence. It's about building this country back better. And that's exactly what Joe and I will do.
0: This week, many Democratic donors have
1: rallied behind the choice. I think Kamala Harris is popular with more traditional Wall Street donors, donors in Silicon Valley. She, of course, being a senator from California, the hub of the tech industry and There was a lot of pushback from donors to someone like Elizabeth Warren, someone who was seen as a figure who was really going to try and shake things up. I think most business donors expect Kamala Harris to be a fairly moderate voice in terms of rebuilding the economy. They know that she will take some rhetorical swings at both Wall Street and the tech industry, but she is not really going to call for breaking up the banks or breaking up tech monopolies. And so a lot of these Wall Street executives as well as Silicon Valley executives feel pretty safe with this choice.
0: How have Republicans responded to Harris as the pick?
1: I think Republicans have said what they would have said no matter who Joe Biden chose. And that is that this reinforces how Joe Biden and the Democratic Party is captive to the radical left. That's the line. What is your reaction to Kamala Harris as Joe Biden's running mate? Well, she's radical left. Now she tries to pretend she's not, but she's the most liberal person in the U.S. Senate. But some
0: Republican strategists have told The Wall Street Journal that this line of attack, that Biden and Harris are on the radical left, could be a tough sell given their moderate credentials. Next week. At the Democratic National Convention, the party will make its case that Biden and Harris can lead a coalition of moderates and progressives into the White House. Tell us what this year's convention is going to look like.
1: The Democratic National Convention is going to look very different from years past. It is entirely virtual. Uh, They canceled the in-person programming in Milwaukee, and so it's really being billed as this primetime special. And every evening, there are going to be speakers, this is according to the DNC and the Biden campaign, who come from entertainment, music, to try and create some kind of televised special that resonates with people and is a departure from just standard speeches.
0: There will still be political speeches, though. And the lineup of speakers fits with the don't-rock-the-boat strategy that has
1: characterized Biden's campaign. It's clear that they want to try and show party unity. They've got a lot of party stalwarts, traditional figures like former President Bill Clinton, as well as Hillary Clinton, the 2016 Democratic nominee. Um, the Obamas will both speak. But one of the speakers on the very first night will be Vermont Senator Bernie Sanders, who was, of course, the standard bearer for the party's progressive wing. They will also have Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, one of the rising stars in the party and, again, a progressive icon. And the lineup also has a registered Republican. That's former Ohio Governor John Kasich, who ran for the Republican nomination in 2016, which is a fairly striking moment to be in. And I think it's a sign of some of the frustration that we have seen toward President Trump from members of his own party, and it really feeds into this idea that the Biden campaign has been pushing around restoring stability to the United States government.
0: So during the convention next week, what will you be watching for?
1: There is so much focus on this intra-party fight between progressives and moderates in the Democratic Party and how Joe Biden was in some ways the opposite of the direction that the party is headed in. So watching someone like Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez make the case for Joe Biden is going to be fairly interesting. And watching Bernie Sanders take the stage on the same night as former Ohio Governor John Kasich, a Republican, that'll be really striking. It once again speaks to, I think, this election not really being about policy and not really being about ideology. It's being framed, at least by Biden, as about what this country should look like about competency and just a sense of going back to normal. Will that resonate? We'll find out in less than three months.
0: That's all for today, Friday, August 14th. The Journal is a co-production of Gimlet and The Wall Street Journal. Your hosts are Ryan Knutson and me, Kate Leinbaugh, the show is made by Gerard Cole, Pia Godkari, Annie Minoff, Afif Nasuli, Ricky Nevetsky, Caitlin O'Keefe, Sarah Platt, Willa Rubin, Annie Rose Strasser, and Rob Zipko. Our show is engineered by Griffin Tanner and Nathan Singapok, with help from Sam Baer. Our theme music is by So Wiley. Additional music this week from So Wiley, Katherine Anderson, Peter Leonard, Bobby Lord, Emma Munger, and Blue Dot Sessions. Fact-checking by Nicole Pasulka. Thanks for listening. See you Monday.